Well, again, good morning, church. This morning, we find ourselves right back where we left off in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And yes, we are going to finish the last part of verse 18. Thank you for humoring your pastor through this very slow step through these three verses. Uh, But I pray it's been an encouragement to you, and I hope today you'll see exactly why we approached it this way. Uh, We're going to be finishing up this passage, and I believe what we'll discover is a very foundation on which those three exhortations, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, everything give thanks, on which they stand. A foundation that is irrevocable and a foundation that is certain. So hopefully you got your Bibles open. Let's go ahead and read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 16 through 18 together. The Bible says this, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let's go to the Lord and thank Him for His word. Gracious Father, we do indeed thank You for the grace upon grace we have received in and through Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are gathered here this morning to offer you a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. A reasonable sacrifice, Lord, in light of the great salvation we have obtained in Christ. Yet even as we gather here to offer you a praise uh, or a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, Father, we find ourselves uh, to be the greater recipients of this worship service. A greater recipients of your mercy, your love, and your grace. We ask that you would be pleased to continue uh, your work in us in shaping and forming, molding our hearts um, by the proclamation of your gospel truth, that we would always rejoice, pray, and in everything give thanks because we recognize that it is your will for your people in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen, amen. Well, Proper motivation is important, wouldn't you say? Uh, The reason you do what you do often determines whether you actually do what it is you intend to do. Uh, Motivation matters. Why you do what you do matters. The reason behind our actions and choices will either be sufficient to move us or they won't be. They will either compel us, or they won't. Well, this morning, Paul offers us the reason why you and I are to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. That's really the big idea for us this morning, and that is the reason we rejoice, pray, and give thanks is that it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. That's it. The reason you and I are to rejoice, pray, and give thanks is because this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. That's the reason Paul gives to the Thessalonians and therefore through them to us uh, for the three imperatives we have looked looked at over the last four weeks. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything Give thanks. Paul grounds these three imperatives in the highest and strongest reason possible. Uh, 
And and understanding this reason will provide the Christian with all that they need to cultivate a abiding joy, to pursue an experiential and vibrant life of communion with God through prayer, and to live a life of gratitude, of faithful gratitude in light of the gospel. Uh, So, if you are within earshot and you have struggled with any one of the last three exhortations that we've looked at through this study, I want to encourage you to listen well as Paul gives the reason why you and I are to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Uh, The reason, as we'll first examine, as I previously stated, is uh, this is God's will for us. This is God's will for us. See, when Paul writes the word for, uh, he ground and marks the clause for the reason of the three imperatives that precede this clause, right? So this for, it, it marks that clause as the reason for those imperatives. We rejoice always, we pray without ceasing, we in everything give thanks. Why? Because or for this is God's will for us. Now, I know it's super early in the sermon for me to already be taking a tangent, but I promise you, I just have one, okay? Uh, But this is an important one. I just, I really find it ironic uh, that so many Christians experience so much anxiety over God's will for their lives. I I do. I mean, listen, I, I know Uh, that these are difficult decisions, that these are big decisions. Sometimes it's really difficult to know what to do, right? Whether to purchase this house or that house, to pursue that job or this job, to marry this person or that person. Those are big, life-altering decisions. I understand that. But, but what I find to be ironic, here's the irony, is that so many Christians give such little regard to the revealed will of God as they fret uh, over the secret, hidden, or decreed will of God. So they'll pray for a sign. They'll ask, Lord, please tell me whether I should do this or that, go here or there. And then they get overwhelmed when they don't get an answer or probably more accurately the answer that they want. What I'm telling you here, I'm I'm, I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is God has revealed his will for us. His will is that we rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Or as it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. So listen, if your search for God's will causes you to be anxious, depressed, or discontent, in other words, if your search for God's will causes you to disobey God's will, then stop searching because the reality is you're likely not searching for God's will, you're searching for your own. And so, yes, we seek godly counsel. Yes, uh, we pray for guidance. Yes, uh, we continually apply uh, the, the, the truths of Scripture. But then, friends, we make our decision believing that all things are in the hands of our good and sovereign God. I mean, the reality is we've spent the last four weeks looking at what God's will is for us. It's simple. It's this. We are to rejoice always. You and I are to have an abiding joy that transforms our experience and response to each and every situation. 
Remember, joy is to be the perpetual disposition and orientation of our lives. Joy is not simply an emotion for the Christian. It's an abiding quality or characteristic that remains unchanged by life's trials and tribulations. And because of this abiding joy, the trajectory of our lives are set on a course that is very different from the rest of the world. We pass through the same storms, the same struggles, the same pains, the same suffering, yet we have an abiding joy because our entire lives have been reoriented by the glorious truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul commanded the Thessalonians to rejoice always. This is God's will for you in Christ. This is the moral requirement to which God calls his people. We also looked two weeks ago at praying without ceasing. A rejoicing people will always be a praying people. Uh, That is because we rejoice that we've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That we've been sealed by his Holy Spirit. We who were once uh, at enmity with God have been made his children through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray without ceasing. If God is our Father, how can we not go to Him in prayer? Everywhere and always, His Spirit lives within us. The communion we enjoy by the Spirit to God the Father through Christ will always be expressed through prayer. So we are a praying people. We begin the day with God, we spend the day with God, and we close each day with God. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That is the moral requirement to which God calls His people. And then in everything we give thanks. If we have such a reason to rejoice as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and, and if, if we, through Christ and by His Spirit, have communion with God our Father expressed through prayer, then certainly we must be or will be a people that overflow with thanksgiving to God. Even in our darkest hour, We will recall, as the Heidelberg Catechism reminds us, that I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully fully paid for all of my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. That is our confidence. In everything, give thanks is the will of God for you. This is the moral requirement to which God's his people, that God calls his people. This is the response that is required by all of those who hope to enjoy the spiritual blessings of the new covenant. Uh, That's the reality. So here's the million dollar question. How's it going? How have you been doing? Right? So we've had four weeks now uh, since we considered the exhortation to rejoice always. Have you been? Have you been rejoicing always? In other words, how faithful have you been to live in light of the gospel and cultivating that abiding joy, that inevitable and dispensable fruit? We've had two weeks now to work on our prayer lives. How's praying without ceasing going? 
Are we beginning our day with God? Are we spending our day in the presence of our God? And are we closing our day with God? Are we constantly looking for opportunities to praise Him, to thank Him, to seek Him out in prayer? What about our grumbling and complaining? How's that going? How grateful have you been in the midst of your trials and tribulations this week? How have you demonstrated your faithful gratitude through your obedience? I mean, let's just think about it. What's your average? What are you batting, if I can use a baseball analogy? I really want you to think about how well do you think you're doing? I want you to put a number in your head, right? Remember, it's on a scale of one to a thousand on a batting average. So let's just presume you're batting 300. I mean, that's pretty good in baseball. But in our sanctification, in our pursuit of holiness, is that what God requires of us? I mean, if we're simply putting up baseball numbers, anything above, around, or even slightly below 300 would be satisfactory. Hall of Fame worthy, actually. But God does not require us to bat 300 when it comes to holiness. The Lord has made clear through the Apostle Paul that God's will for you is to pray, to rejoice, and to give thanks always and for everything. We are to stand out as our lives are so marked by these characteristics that they actually become distinguishing characteristics in this covenant community. That our unbelieving co-workers and family members have to ask us about the hope which we have. And in large part, it's because of our joy and gratitude. It so demonstrates our hope that it is undeniable. So again, I'm going to ask you, how are you doing in this? If you, like me, if we're honest with ourselves, if we have struggled to obey these exhortations over the last three or four weeks, then I've got some incredible news for you. And that is, I'm going to provide you with the proper motivation, the proper motivation in obeying these commands is this, it's in Christ Jesus. That is the proper motivation in Christ Jesus. You see, uh, the will of God for you and I, as it's expressed in verse 18, is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Friends, that changes everything. Here we have the only motor that will propel us to the finish line. Uh, this is the only wind that will keep our sails full, even through the fiercest storms. In these words, in Christ Jesus, we have the gospel motivation that will turn our, our striving into resting and our laboring into faith. In Christ Jesus grounds these three imperatives in the irrevocable grace of God that is ours in Christ. Did you hear that? In Christ Jesus, it, it grounds those three imperatives, those three commands in the irrevocable grace of God, which is ours through Christ. That's because the will of God in Christ Jesus, it's not simply an exhortation, but it's a gift. Yes, these three are Im imperatives. Rejoice always comes to us as an imperative, a command. Pray without ceasing is a mandate, an imperative, and everything indeed an imperative. But God's will for his people and God's promise to his people, they meet in Christ. 
They become inseparably entwined so that in Christ Jesus, what God requires, he also promises. What God demands of his people, friends, he also gives. What wonderful news that is. What God demands of his people, he also gives. These words in Christ Jesus transform these verses into a precious promise, providing the only proper and effective motivation for the people of God to obey these commands. Listen, if God's will is to be considered to be belonging to Christ, if it's referring to the realm of Christ's sovereign authority, if it's dependent in any way, shape, form on the death or life of Jesus Christ, then it comes to us as pure, unadulterated grace. It is a gift. It is not a test to determine your worthiness. It comes as a blessing despite your unworthiness. So one might ask, okay, but, but how can imperatives, how can commands be a gift? Well, consider the mandates. Rejoice always. That is cultivate a joy that is the fruit of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray to God without ceasing. That is cultivate a life of prayer that enjoys and takes advantage of the access we have through Christ Jesus by his Holy Spirit to God as our Father. In everything, give thanks. That is cultivate gratitude and contentment for you have been given all things in Christ. Don't you see these commands even of themselves? They're gracious. This is not a command to just grin and bear it. This is rejoice in the reality of your salvation. How can you not? This is not a command to pray five times a day while facing Mecca. This is in Christ Jesus. God is our Father, and we can speak to Him anytime, anywhere. How can we not? This is not a command to respond to suffering with, Thank you, sir. May I have another? This is a command to see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. How can we not be grateful for such a love as that? Don't you see, Christian, these mandates aren't necessary in order to receive something. They're not necessary in order to receive something. They, they are necessary, but not in order to receive something. They're necessary because they are the inevitable result of that which we have received. They are the inevitable result of that which we have received. And listen, that difference, it, it may seem subtle, but that is a gospel difference. <laughs> we were called to this. This is the fruit of our salvation. This is the blessing that is ours in Christ. That the will of God is the gift of God in Christ Jesus. The will of God is the gift of God in Christ Jesus. And friends, something about this gift is that this gift is certain. I want you to think about it. Uh, the will of God in Christ Jesus is an irrevocable gift because the required response, the command itself, has been secured by Christ. That's the glorious truth that we learn from this verse. Uh, this is not simply God's revealed will. That is, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and every give thanks is what you need to do. This is God stating what he will see in his people. 
This is who the people of God are by virtue of their union in Christ. The people of God in Christ Jesus are a rejoicing people, a praying people, and a grateful people. This is not a possibility, but a certainty because it is in Christ Jesus. This is who we are. Listen, friends, if it's in Christ Jesus, it is certain. Hear me. If it is in Christ Jesus, it is more certain than the sun will rise, more certain than the stars will shine in the night, more certain than even your own death. We will rejoice always, we will pray without ceasing, and we will in everything give thanks because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's the reason. I want you to listen how to the 1689 London Baptist Confession puts it. Uh, it's not speaking of this topic specifically, uh, but I think you can see how it relates. I just wanted to say that. Uh, it says this, to all those for whom Christ has obtained eternal redemption, he certainly and effectually applies and imparts it. That is from beginning to end all of it, all his work. He intercedes for them, unites them to himself by his spirit, and reveals to them in and by his word the mystery of salvation. He persuades them to believe and obey and governs their hearts by his word and spirit. He overcomes all of their enemies by his almighty power and wisdom using methods and ways that are perfectly consistent with his wonderful and unsearchable governments. All these things are by free and absolute grace, apart from any condition for obtaining it that is foreseen in them. God's will in Christ Jesus for you, friends, it is the irreversible result and blessing of Christ's person and work. It is this indicative that ensures the accomplishment of all of these commands. As a professor points out, a Professor Gene L. Green, who's written a commentary on 1 Thessalonians, has been a tremendous help. He says this, he says, The reason the apostle gives for this call to joy prayer and thanksgiving is the strongest and highest imaginable for the Christian. These are not optional, secondary characteristics of the Christian existence, but stand at the center of God's plan for his people in Christ Jesus. This is the revelation of God's plan for us, friends, an irrevocable gift, and yet still an imperative Listen, don't let the graciousness of this gift or the certainty of its accomplishment uh, cause you to think in any way, shape, or form that it's promoting negligence and complacency on the people of God. Instead, it provides the only proper motivation for obeying it. It grounds the exhortation in the only right and effective reason for cultivating a life of rejoicing, prayer, and giving thanks. Listen, there are days that the exhortation uh, to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, it seems to be a cruel and impossible task. Right? I, I hear that command, and I think to myself, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And if I'm honest with myself, there are times where I even doubt whether or not my spirit is actually willing. Like when I try to make myself feel joy, when I attempt to, to make prayer a duty that's a part of my checklist of holiness, uh, when I tell myself I really need to be grateful while gritting my teeth, 
The answer is usually, in that case, frustration, disillusionment, and hopelessness. That's the result. Listen, friends, I can no more manufacture joy by simply willing it than I can win a sword fight with a stick of butter. I can no more pray unceasingly by simply resolving to do so than I can swim across the St. John's River with concrete boots. I can no more stop grumbling and complaining and live in faithful obedience to God by the power of my own will than I can change the color of my skin or a leopard can change his spots. I mean, sure, maybe I could do it for a day or two. Maybe you've experienced that over the past couple of weeks, right? Maybe for a day or two, but then work demands more than I have to give. My children don't obey the way I would like for them to. My spouse doesn't serve the way I like. And my God doesn't order all things according to my sovereign will. And so my joy torn, turns toward despair, and my prayers often become nothing more than grumbling and complaining. I don't think I'm the only one here. I don't think this experience is even abnormal. I think if we're real with one another, man, batting 300 actually seems pretty generous. <laughs> we confess that. So church, what do we do? If this is the case, then what do we do? Do we simply throw our hands up and cry, hyperbole, it's just all hyperbole. See, Paul is just exaggerating a bit. Uh, he, when he says rejoice always, what he actually means is rejoice when you feel like rejoicing. And I mean, praying without ceasing, man, that, that's just an exaggeration. You just throw one up in the morning, and if you remember by the time you go to bed, uh, that's fine, that's not bad. Oh, and everything give thanks? Well, you know, I thank the Lord at least three times a day before I eat each meal. Check that box. I mean, Paul would be satisfied with that. God's certainly satisfied with that. I mean, that's one possible response. We could simply diffuse the exhortation itself, take all the wind out of its sails. We simply uh, resign ourselves to a life of despair, of silence toward God and grumbling and complaining. No! No, may it never be! Listen, we never stop striving to cultivate joy because it is the will of God for, Christ, for us in Christ Jesus. That's the very reason we never stop striving. It's the very reason we never give up. It's the very reason we don't stop fighting. We never stop striving to be more faithful in prayer because it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. We never give in to discontentment or temptation to grumble and complain because it's the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. And what God requires in Christ Jesus, he also gives graciously, irrevocably, and certainly. Listen, <laughs> why do we rejoice always? Because we will be a rejoicing people. Okay, so you failed at that this morning when you were getting ready for church. Yeah, okay. You failed and forgot to rejoice always, but there will be a day we, we will not forget. There will be a day where we will rejoice always. If you belong to Christ, you will. There is a day coming soon when our God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. This is what we believe. There's a day when we will enter into the eternal rest of God. So lift up your chin. Look to the horizon where there's no more death, no more crying, no more pain. And in that morning, our suffering will turn to eternal joy. See, we rejoice now because we know that it's the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. Therefore, it's irrevocable and certain. 
Why do we strive to pray without ceasing? Because we will be a praying people. We will. There is a day soon coming when the dwelling place of God will be with man. He will dwell with us. And we pray now that this perfect communion is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. Why do we now in everything give thanks? Because we know there's a day coming soon when we will drink freely from the river of life. We believe that the day is soon coming when we will eat freely of the tree of life. In fact, look at Revelation chapter 22, verses 2 through 5. This is our scripture reading. Think about this. In the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Gratitude flows unstoppably out of a heart that believes that. So we give thanks now because we know that it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. Again, the reason we rejoice, we pray without ceasing and give thanks now is because God's will for us in Christ Jesus is also his immutable, unchanging gift to his people. His irrevocable grace, it is certain. So we don't muster up the strength. We don't will it. We don't even create a checklist that allows us to accomplish it. Instead, we become so in awe of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We train our hearts and minds to steadily look upon the glory of his grace and gospel that we just can't help but to rejoice in every situation. Not because I say rejoice, not because Paul commands rejoice, but because God has willed it in Christ Jesus. Because it's ours in him. Prayer either flows from a heart that understands the reality of our communion with God as Father through Jesus Christ, or it doesn't. Just willing yourself to pray more does not accomplish what God is here commanding us to do. To live in light of the reality of his presence and our new relationship with God as Father. All of these things belong to the sphere of Christ's gracious reign and rule. Where he grants what he commands. God's will expressed in these three moral requirements is also the irrevocable and certain occupation of the saints in the age to come. So we practice it now. Do we do it perfectly? No. But we live into that future hope because that future is certain. We set our eyes on the horizon knowing that it is what we will be and therefore it is what we are even now in Christ. And so saints, rejoice, pray, and give thanks because the day is soon coming when we will do so always. What a marvelous and glorious gift the Lord has given us. Let's go to him in a word of prayer and thank him. Gracious Father, Lord, you know our hearts better than we do. You know the struggles that we face. Father, you know the temptations we face. You know our propensity to give in, to doubt, to grow weary of doing good. 
to not believe in the calling to live a life full of abiding joy, to pray continually and to in everything give thanks, that your will is our sanctification, to not believe that the pursuit of our sanctification does not come already procured, secured in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, would you cause us to believe this morning that we might not grow weary, but instead continue to labor, as Paul says, in your strength. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Friends, if you're listening to this and you're hearing this, there's uh, certainly an application invitation for you. We've really talked about this all through the last three or four weeks. The command here is not for you just to try harder. And maybe you've thought that your whole life. Maybe you wrestle because you know you really haven't grown in the faith ever. Uh, and, and it's partly because you've been doing everything in your own power. You've been practically an atheist with how you work out this salvation. Friends, if that's the case, can I encourage you to dwell on the gospel of Christ? encourage you to challenge you to see whether or not, first off, you're really a Christian. If you really rested and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe that's what God's revealing to you here, is that you certainly can't do these things in your own power. That you are in desperate need to simply dwell on his glorious grace and let that propel you to want to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Maybe you have some sort of merit schedule out with the Lord where you think you're earning these things by checking off boxes and lists. Friends, if that's the case, you need to consider this reality. Do you know Christ? Have you by faith trusted in the finished work of his son Jesus on your behalf? Even though you were a sinner, that Christ died in the place of sinners? satisfying the holy justice of God on behalf of sinners so that we can have that relationship restored to the Father? Friends, an inevitable fruit of that salvation will be, do you fight and strive for joy in the midst of circumstances? Do you fight and strive to cultivate a prayer life through your new communion with God? And are you grateful in the midst of every trial and circumstances? Are you striving for that? If there's no evidence of that, then there may not be any evidence that you truly belong to Christ. So whatever we can do to help you, we want to encourage you and strengthen you, church. Uh, We don't simply want to strive in our own efforts. We want to strive in light of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ that's been revealed by his spirit into our hearts. So if we can pray for you or help you in any way, please contact us. Let us know. We, We are praying for you every week anyways, and so we'll just add on the ability to minister to you. We love you, church family. We pray that God uses this this morning to speak truth into your life and to reveal uh, his desired plans for you. And Jesus uh, would, would show you how good he is in the midst of all this. That's what we pray. We love you, church family. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless you.